Welcome to Step Away from the Classroom, a podcast dedicated to every teacher who has ever thought about transitioning to a new career. I'm your host, Lindsay Woodard, a former classroom teacher of 20 years. My guests bring hope and inspiration to listeners by sharing their personal success stories of transitioning away from the classroom. You can find the transcript and show notes for this episode at stepawayfromtheclassroom.com. You can also join our Facebook community to connect with other current and former teachers, leveraging their skills to redefine and reimagine their work lives. Because this is the inaugural episode of Step Away from the Classroom, it's going to be a little different than the rest of the episodes. Those will feature interviews with former teachers who chose to step away from the classroom into another career, sometimes still in education, sometimes in completely different fields. Today, I'm going to share with you my own journey out of the classroom. I actually left three times, and how I want this podcast to benefit teachers who are thinking of doing the same. So let's start with my story. Ironically, I distinctly remember sitting in one of my high school English classes thinking, ugh, I would never want to be a teacher. I can't remember what spurred that thought. Maybe a student was rude to the teacher. And I can't even tell you why I remember that moment so vividly but it sticks with me to this day. After participating in a young playwright's workshop around that same time, I decided I wanted to go to New York University and major in dramatic writing. This was 1992, and I believe NYU was the only school at the time to have such a program. I was accepted and made the big move from California to New York to explore the world of play and screenwriting. I decided to remain in New York the summer after my freshman year, And I had another moment that sticks with me to this day. This was in the era of a hit NBC sitcom called Mad About You, starring Paul Reiser. This was also the era of public service announcements that the network would run called The More You Know. Paul Reiser appeared on my television screen and asked me to consider going into teaching. Talk about a light bulb moment. I thought to myself, yes, that's exactly what I need to be doing, teaching high school English. The idea felt completely right, so as soon as my sophomore year started, I added a second major in English education and didn't look back. I loved my education classes, I loved observing in teachers' classrooms, and I loved my student teaching. What I didn't realize at the time was that my student teaching was far from reality. I completed it at a tiny, independent school with less than 100 kids in grades 9 through 12. Each class found us sitting in a circle of about a dozen kids, all eager to discuss the reading they had done the night before. If you're currently a high school English teacher in a public school, you're probably laughing right now, I know. Knowing I wanted to return to California after graduation, I applied for my teaching credential in that state and started applying for jobs. My first teaching job was at a relatively new public high school in Southern California. My first year there was only the school's fourth year in existence. My classroom had nothing in it besides desks, a couple of bookcases, and a whiteboard. That's right, no computer. And there was no real curriculum besides the books that the students were supposed to read that year. So I was going home every day to probably four hours of creating lesson plans from scratch with nothing but a dial-up modem and AOL. Weekends were simply more of the same what I wouldn't have given for Teachers Pay Teachers way back in 1997. I kept waiting for it to get easier, and then another sticks-with-me-to-this-day moment happened. 
It was January of 1998, January being one of the lowest points in a new teacher's year. But I didn't have a mentor, so how was I to know that? It was a few minutes before first period, and the students were walking in and talking to each other without seemingly a care in the world. I was sitting at my desk watching them thinking, I can't do this. It was probably at that very moment that I decided that I simply couldn't return to the classroom the next year. I was exhausted, and I had no life outside of teaching. I didn't have a plan, but I knew I couldn't keep going at that pace. I let my school know in February or March that I wouldn't be returning, and sadly, no one really investigated my decision. Had they done so, they might have found that by April, I was actually starting to get a handle on the workload, and things were lightening up a bit. But naive as I was, I didn't know I could ask to stay. So that was the first time I stepped away from the classroom. I had actually been working as an afternoon and evening nanny starting that January because I was barely getting by on my meager teaching salary, $26,000 that first year. So I did have that income, but I obviously needed a second job to stay afloat. My church newsletter had a section for classified ads, and a couple in the congregation who owned a mortgage company was looking for an office assistant. I applied and got that position, and doing the office bookkeeping eventually found its way into my daily duties. With my attention to detail, I really enjoyed that aspect of the job, enough so that I thought accounting might be a good new career for me. So I applied to a graduate program in accounting and was accepted. It was only about a year and a half, and before I knew it, I was hired by one of the big five accounting firms as a new auditor, except that I hated auditing. I would have to go to nonprofits with a couple other auditors and check that their financials were in order. When you're an auditor, no one really wants you there. You're an inconvenience and your presence gives the employees more work to do. As someone with a servant's heart, probably the reason I went into teaching in the first place, I felt so lost. Not only was I not feeling like I was helping anyone, the people I was supposed to be supporting were simply hoping that I'd be out of there as fast as possible. Let's just say that I didn't last long in that position. But what was I supposed to do then? In fact, I was starting to feel the tug of the classroom once again. I missed how creative I was able to be with my lesson planning, and I really missed feeling like I was helping people every day. So I found a position at a pretty challenging middle school teaching sixth grade language arts. I'm proud to say that I made it through the year with much less struggle than my first experience in a classroom, but I was missing my old school. Fortunately, they had an opening for the next school year and I was able to return. And before I did, I married a fellow teacher whom I had met while we were both in our first years at that original school, although he had since moved on to another high school when the specialized program he was teaching was discontinued. Returning to that first school felt just right, and I was very happy there. Of course, there was still a ton of take-home work, but that's life for any educator who teaches courses that are heavy on writing. Our first daughter was born during that time, and I'll always look back on those years with great fondness. In the spring of 2004, I was contacted by one of my former high school English teachers, whom I adored. I had taken her class for a total of six semesters because I enjoyed them so much. I was also in her husband's class for a semester, 
and she wasn't getting in touch to tell me that they were retiring after that year. She wanted to let my husband and me know that if we wanted to apply for their spots, the time was now. Well, it was pretty much a no-brainer. My parents still lived in that town on the central coast of California, and it's a beautiful place to live. We applied for their positions, and we got them. After four years there, and still struggling with all the take-home work of a high school English teacher, a local independent school approached me about teaching middle school English for them. The thought of classes that were half the size is what convinced me to make the move. I needed a couple more classes to fill out my schedule, so that is when I began teaching middle school U.S. history. Over the next four years, I would add a single subject credential in social sciences, as well as a multiple subject credential. Even with the smaller class sizes, I was getting burned out on reading and giving feedback to so much student writing all the time, and I thought a switch to a self-contained classroom of younger students might be a nice change of pace and a fun new challenge. After all, my school had all grades from kindergarten through 12th, so I envisioned the transition to be an easy one. Boy, was I wrong. The head of the school at the time told me that he didn't see me teaching younger students. I have no idea why, considering he never came into my classroom to observe me teaching and hardly knew me from Adam. If I wanted to move down, it was clear that I would have to apply at other schools, which I did. I was finalist for a sixth grade position, but didn't get it. I did, however, secure a position teaching third grade, and I was so optimistic. Teacher friends told me what a great year third grade was, and I was excited to get going. The student body at my new school, however, was not what I was used to. With the exception of the first middle school I had worked at, I didn't have much experience with students from lower socioeconomic situations, and I was not at all equipped to handle what I faced. On top of that, this particular class had, apparently, garnered itself a reputation as being particularly difficult since they were in kindergarten. Every day was such a struggle for that, that for the first time in my life, I began to experience severe anxiety and panic attacks. It was like every day my brain was screaming at me that I was not able to handle all of the asks being thrown at me, and I just knew I had to get out. I ended up leaving mid-year, which in many ways made me feel like a failure, but I also knew that I needed to protect myself. I had a family at home counting on me, and there was no way I could handle both the job and being there for my husband and two daughters. So I was faced again with the prospect of quickly finding a new position to replace my teaching income. I just want to pause here to say that I do not recommend leaving the classroom without a plan in place, especially if you have a family counting on you. Of course, if your mental health is at stake, you may need to make an immediate change without a solid plan in place. But whenever possible, give yourself a long runway, ideally a full school year, to research other employment opportunities and take your time so that you can find the best fit possible. This time, some friends came to my rescue. My husband was coaching mock trial at his high school at the time, and one of the coaches was an attorney in our community. She and her husband also attended my church, so I knew them well. They offered me a position as a legal assistant in their office, which I gratefully accepted. 
As I had been doing for several years already, I was also tutoring on the side. Additionally, I've been a certified equine sports massage therapist since 1998, so I was also able to work on a horse here and there, and both those endeavors, along with my day job, helped me get by financially. I was at the law firm for most of a school year when a Catholic high school in town contacted me about coming to teach for them. They had a family whose son had been in my class when he was in middle school, and they were the ones that had recommended that the school reach out to me. So I ended up teaching at that high school the next year. It was an okay experience. I didn't love it, but it was manageable. Near the end of that year, the interim head at my previous K-12 independent school called me. The former head, the one who had no faith that I could teach elementary students, had been let go by the board, and apparently the interim head kept hearing from the teachers that he really should try to get me back. The fifth grade teacher was moving to another school, and he wanted me to take that position. I thanked him, but told him no. I had only been at my current position a year, and it was fine, so I felt like I should stick it out. He said he understood, and that was the end of the phone call. About a week and a half later, he called again saying, no, really, everyone is telling me that I need to get you back here. Even though I had my multiple subject credential and had thought I wanted to teach younger kids, I started to get cold feet. This was an independent school of pretty wealthy families. What if the parents were super demanding? I had experienced a little bit of that when I taught middle school there, and I imagined it being much more intense if I were to teach younger students. I don't know if I was prepared for that. I told the interim head that I would first need to talk to the current fifth grade teacher. She assured me that I was worried about nothing. The kids and parents were great. Taking her word for it, I accepted the position. And she was right. That first year teaching fifth grade was pretty magical. The kids were incredibly bright and so much fun, and the parents were wonderful. Then I started year two as a fifth grade teacher, and all my fears came to pass. That particular group of parents was extremely challenging. True, I had far less take-home work in the form of grading student writing, but that was quickly replaced by emails and phone calls of parents. Having had the first wonderful year, though, I was determined to stick it out, hoping that that year's group was simply an outlier. That spring, the head of upper school approached me about replacing a teacher who was moving into administration. I would be teaching at-level U.S. history, AP U.S. history, and seventh grade geography. My initial reaction was no way. Simply because of the AP class, I didn't want to be judged by my students' test scores. However, I started to warm up to the idea because I was missing the older kids. It came as a bit of a shock, however, when I discovered that I wasn't being recruited into that position. I was being asked to apply for it. I was competing against a few other external candidates, and I had to go through all the steps they did, three interviews and a demo lesson. I prevailed, however, and I started that position the next year. Over the course of the next four years, the position would transform into teaching three levels of AP U.S. history, I advocated for adding an honors level, an art history elective that was at the request of a student, and it was a terrific class, which I enjoyed immensely. I lovingly referred to it as my dessert class, and AP English language and composition. 
In addition to teaching each of those classes, I became department chair of the social sciences department and the site coordinator for both the Mastery Transcript Consortium and Challenge Success, two organizations that I believe are doing wonderful things for high school students. I'll have links to both in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to know more. My last couple of years in the classroom, I was growing increasingly interested in stepping into administration. I embarked on a course of self-study and first applied for the head of middle school position, which I didn't get, and then the head of upper school position the next year, which I also didn't get. This is when I really started considering stepping away from the classroom for a third time. My afternoons were taken up with tutoring, so I was coming home every evening with reading for my AP classes, lesson planning, and evaluating lots of student writing. The objective of each day was to simply survive it, and I was definitely feeling like I was falling short when it came to caring for my family and my home. School vacations were spent catching up on grading and simply recovering, and it was getting harder and harder to enjoy and be present for holidays. Had I really gone as far as I could at my school? Was I destined to endure the daily slog for 25 more years? And to not even really be considered for an administration position at my school made me feel quite used. I was giving so much to the school as both a classroom teacher and a low-level leader, yet I wasn't really getting anything in return. I was feeling exhausted and burnt out. I knew something had to change. So I decided I wouldn't be returning. I knew my value and it wasn't being honored. I had several months to formulate my exit plan, fortunately. I decided I would return to working for a private family as a nanny, which I had done early in my teaching career. But this time I had the added offering of being a private teacher. With the pandemic in full force, my timing was excellent. A high net worth family hired me because they wouldn't be sending their young daughter to school that fall. So my day job became caring for her and teaching her in fun, play-based ways. Listeners, if you need to step away from the classroom but want to continue to work with children, consider working as a nanny and private educator for a high net worth family. You can make excellent money if you are in the right market, and there can be some really nice perks that go along with the job. Feel free to reach out to me at hello at stepawayfromtheclassroom.com if you'd like to know more about transitioning into this line of work. The best thing about transitioning to a position that didn't require take-home work is that I was able to start focusing on other passions. I could finally start working on building the tutoring and equine sports massage therapy businesses that I never really could scale before because my evenings and weekends were so filled with schoolwork. I also found that without having to think about school all the time, the creativity of my younger days began to come back. This is how I came up with the idea for this podcast. So I want to talk a little bit about my motivation and my goals for the podcast. According to Education Week, there are 3.2 million teachers in the United States, and 8% of teachers leave the classroom each year, according to Lisa Spinelli and her book, Teachers to Trainers. This speaks volumes about just how difficult the teaching profession is. According to Quartz.com, the biggest reason teachers cited for leaving, whether it was to retire or take another job, was dissatisfaction with the teaching profession, the lack of opportunities to advance, the meager administrative support, or the working conditions. 
More than half of teachers who left teaching altogether reported being dissatisfied, as did an even higher share of teachers, 66%, who switched to another job in education. Listeners, I'm sure many of you can relate. Of course, sometimes people decide to leave teaching for other reasons, a partner's move, the birth of a child, illness or injury, among many other things. What I want to say here is that there is a special kind of shame that people feel when they elect to step away from the classroom that is unlike that of any other profession. I think it has to do with our reasons for going into teaching in the first place. The vast majority of teachers have a servant's heart. We simply want to help people, especially young people. Education becomes so much of our identity that when we leave the field, we feel like we are betraying ourselves, not to mention our students and colleagues. And then there's the issue of not feeling qualified to do anything else. Many teachers feel like an education degree solely prepared them to be a classroom teacher. But if you spend any time in a job search site, you'll see that there are actually other professions out there that value employees who can take concepts, break them down into more easily understandable units, and deliver those units in a manner that adds value for the employer. Furthermore, teachers who start their own businesses often find that a large part of their work is educating and coaching their clients. So being an educator is actually incredibly helpful across a wide range of careers. So why did I want to start this podcast? It probably boils down to my first year of teaching so many years ago. Without any support, it was a huge struggle and quite miserable. Ever since then, I've had a heart for helping teachers. 20 years have gone by, and teaching is harder now more than ever. We desperately need excellent educators in our classrooms. I will be the first person to shout that from the rooftops. However, I do know that classroom teaching may not be many people's lifelong career, but where is the support for those teachers who want to make a change? When someone leaves the military, people say, thank you for your service. When teachers leave the classroom, they don't receive that same gratitude. This podcast is designed to show teachers that while they were providing value to so many students, they were also honing skills that they can now transfer to other career paths. I know it can be terrifying to leave a profession that you know so well and step into the unknown, but it doesn't have to be. I'm here to show you that with the right plan, the right amount of time, the right research, and the right support, you can make the transition and find a career that capitalizes on your skills, brings you fulfillment, and helps you achieve better work-life balance. I'm excited you're joining me on this journey, and I can't wait for you to meet all my podcast guests. Their stories are sure to bring you hope and inspiration. Big thanks to Gus Detar for our theme music. You can find him at detarmusic.com. If you know a teacher who has successfully transitioned to a new career, you can contact me at hello at stepawayfromtheclassroom.com. They may just end up as a guest on the show. And I'd like to connect with you too. I would love to hear where you are in your teaching journey and where you think you'd like to end up one day. You can leverage your classroom teaching skills to reimagine your work life and make it extraordinary. Let's get you to where you'd like to be. If this episode has been valuable to you, consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. Doing so will help other teachers find the podcast as well. 
And who knows, they may just find their perfect path that will help them step away from the classroom too.